I guess I'll start over my little speech. <laughs> All right, hello everyone. Welcome to um, this week's uh, weekly meetup, uh, UK Sangha. Uh, we get together every Wednesday uh, to practice the Dhamma together and explore uh, whatever topic arises, or sometimes we read a sutta, but today um, the topic of social anxiety came up uh, and uh, some points I was mentioning about social anxiety is that um, social anxiety is a completely internally based um, feeling mechanism and response system. And it's the same anxiety that comes up when you're completely alone that comes up when you're around other people. So it's also true that if you um, have the habitual tendency to get social anxiety, that you also get social anxiety just thinking about other people. Um, or just thinking about a situation that you were just in and you get anxiety from it or thinking about a potential situation with other people you get social anxiety from but there's no one around right but the anxiety is exactly the same whether you're just thinking about other people or whether you're literally in uh, a situation with other people so this to me is evidence or proof that it's a completely internal internal mind-based feeling mechanism that can uh, be reprogrammed and hacked to feel the way that you want to feel. And it starts with uh, uh, getting rid of anxiety, period, uh, whatever the situation is. So, um, um, <clears throat> if you have um, a lion mentality towards anxiety, so you see it as what it is, it's a hindrance or a distraction to the practice of the Dhamma or meditation. Uh, essentially, it's Mara playing its tricks on you once again, right? <laughs> um, whether or not you're alone or in a social situation, the way that you deal with it is the same. So you see it as restlessness. Oh, there it is, restlessness. Um, let me see how this thing is happening. Okay, I'm kind of talking myself into restlessness. So um, I'm mentally proliferating about something that I don't know exists, but I'm just imagining it. So oftentimes, Let's say you're in a social situation. You'll, you're, the mind will go all sorts of places imagining, oh, what does this person think about me? And, oh, did, did that come off right? Or what? Oh, no, these, nah, these people probably don't like me. Um, I probably look weird or I'm acting weird. All sorts of, like, speculation, right? So you're speculating about what is going on. But you're not actually, you don't actually know it's real. It's just something that you made up in your head and then you convinced yourself that it's true. And so you feel bad about it. <laughs> so this is why they say ignorance is bliss. Um, it's better um, not to imagine what isn't there for, for certain. Yeah, um, it's amazing how, how you can operate in, in these suppositions because like I've sometimes been in situations where I don't like I assume what what I think is going on is going on and then I act based upon it and talk to people based upon it like in parties for example I thought that that someone saw me drop something uh, right. and I see them laughing and then like 20 minutes later I check up on those people and what yeah. what are you talking about and I was just tripping the, the those whole 20 minutes yeah, yeah. and something yeah. in my head yeah exactly so you, you could see situations like that all the time. And but the, the problem is there's some of those situations that were realized, oh, we just made that up. Oh, someone was there's a group of people and they're snickering over there. Oh, is, is that about me? Like, are, are they laughing at me? 
right? So the mind will come up with all sorts of things like this. And um, you can actually see it uh, when someone's like extremely mentally ill. It's just the same process that we do normally like that, imagining what isn't there, creating situations to worry about. Um, it, when that goes to its extreme, um, it's literally like schizophrenic. So um, people with like schizophrenia, um, you know, there's this group of people online who think they're constantly being gang stalked. I don't know if you guys ever seen these, but these these people, they'll be like filming random people in public and be like, they'll be convinced that, that um, there's an organization cooperating together to stalk them and follow them and hunt them down. And they'll just be filming random people and like they'll start they'll come at like random people and like get mad at them and the, the person will be like what what are you talking about um so yeah so to understand that even though it may not be that extreme and it may be like more generally normal um certain lines of thought that cause us anxiety uh see it for what it is is it's actually kind of like a mental illness it's a sickness of the mind so if you understand what it is, it's a hindrance to being in a wholesome state of this, like the goal is to be in a wholesome state. Um, you see it as a sickness. And uh, so instead of like welcoming it in, you see the danger in that line of thought and you make the right effort to change it. Say, oh, no, there it goes again. There's my mind uh, creating dukkha for myself again. So this is dukkha. <laughs> whether or not there are people or not makes no difference of whether it's dukkha. Dukkha is dukkha. Whether it's social anxiety or just plain anxiety or depression or whatever it is, um, whether whatever circumstance or situation it is, you say, ah, this is dukkha. I'm uh, getting myself in. Anyways, at the end of the day, who cares what other people think about you? <laughs> There, it's all impermanent, right? So that situation um, is all going to vanish and it's going to change and be replaced by new people and new situations. So that no relationship, no person is really that important to cause ourselves dukkha over. So spotting dukkha is dukkha and realizing the source of that dukkha. So the mental lines of thoughts and the justification for that dukkha. Um, the mind comes up with all sorts of reasons why it's valid to be worried about this or that. Um, and you have to continually wake up to what's going on, spot that process of mind, and call it out on its own bullshit. So <laughs> you start doing this, and you, uh, you develop like a lion mentality to do it. Um, a kind of fearlessness that comes from um, the resolution and the and uh, the ardency. I don't know if that's a word, but being ardent and resolute about the practice of the Dhamma, irrespective of the situation, um, that I'm not going to let anything or anyone change the way that I want to feel of being in a wholesome state and you develop this lion mentality and uh it goes a long way in uh social situations or by yourself but the point is not to do this to become more sociable or become more charismatic or whatever although that may be a byproduct of it the point is just to eliminate dukkha so <laughs> that's the only purpose of it all that's the only teaching there is uh, in accordance with the Buddha, the, what the Buddha taught. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's um, that's a pretty solid base. I wanna, um, I, I would like to to talk about like the pitfalls of this, uh, and um, we can talk about that that phrase you mentioned. Who cares? And that's what Damarado's, his latest um, linguistical innovation, <laughs> the word caring. And 
for me, like the pitfall I'm experiencing is, for example, I, I was just having lunch, uh, watching a series like really calm. And then just when, when I was to log into a call, I got a, like a little bit anxious. And so the pitfall is like caring about what you were saying. Um, what, what are they going to think of me? Uh, all, all of stuff. Uh, those are like usual thoughts. And it's what happened is, is that when you're focusing, when your attention is placed on that concept, which you care about, you are not placing your attention in, in the breath, like in, in the practice. Right. And you might have the thought like, oh, I'm not, um, I'm not paying attention to the breath, but you're, you're still caring. It's like a, uh -huh. you're having in the middle of a knee jerk reaction. Uh -huh. um, Right. Um, so, what I'm... Um, in that case, what's going on? Welcome, Kital. Um, we're talking about social anxiety. Um, but yeah, so in that case, what happened is that you started, you, you go, okay, there's dukkha. And you go, oh shit, there, there's dukkha. Like, I need, to, I need to change it. I need to find a way out of the dukkha. Instead of realizing that um, the reason why we, we, we take a, a a deep breath is to alleviate the dukkha, not to as a response to uh, an increased reaction of panic to the dukkha. So, um, uh, so like, um, if you if you think that um, because you weren't doing the pro practice is justification for experiencing more dukkha that's a misunderstanding of the practice because <laughs> okay go for it <laughs> just to clarify i mean hold on to that thought because it's important too but what i meant is that uh the knee-jerk reaction is so strong that i cannot like bend the attention into the right way you know not okay. that it's my fault that i'm no, not paying that, attention that's what i'm saying oh, okay that you think there's a right way to bend the attention. So you're, 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 you're setting a standard and because you're not meeting the standard, you're punishing yourself, um, which is anti the point of alleviating dukkha. So the attention can be where it ne needs to be. The attention can be on the dukkha is not a problem. Um, actually trying to forcefully change the attention from the dukkha to something else um, isn't really going necessarily going to solve the dukkha. It's so you 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 uh, face the dukkha head on, and you don't try to move the attention from the dukkha, but you s look at the dukkha directly and you allevi alleviate it uh, then and there. So you don't need to move the attention from the dukkha or the or the unwholesome thoughts. Um, you can let the attention be where the attention is, and then uh, uh, take uh, take deeper breaths and relax the tension that has arisen or the dukkha. And um, yeah, uh, that's a common understanding of what breathing meditation is: is to take the attention and to oh, okay, I'm going to direct my attention on the breath and I'm going to hold it there. And that's called concentration. That's not what the Anapanasati really is. Uh, it's more of the recognition that you are breathing. It doesn't really have to do with uh, guiding the attention on the breath or stabilizing the attention on the breath. You simply recognize that you're breathing and take a deep breath and uh, relax the tensions that you're holding on to which is actually it's caused by the mental activity but the tensions themselves are physical sensations so because the tensions are already here um, we can change the mental activity in conjunction with uh, relaxing the physical tensions themselves which is why the breath is so important so taking uh smooth deep relaxing breaths and at the same time uh spotting the unwholesome thoughts as dukkha and as mara 
changing the unwholesome thoughts uh, to wholesome ones or uh, applying and sustaining wholesome thoughts, uh, like guiding a herd of cattle into a safe destination where it, where we know it's not going to cause us problems. Um, and, and then we can sit down by the shady tree and relax the physical tensions. So it's kind of twofold. Um, there's no cons um, there's many aspects that goes along with it. Um, the guiding framework of the practice of the Dhamma is uh, dukkha, uh, spotting how it arises, or that. So, like the first two noble truths was you realizing, oh, I'm imagining situations that are causing myself uh, agitation um, in my own mind. That's the first two noble truths. The second two would be um, the right effort of what to do in response to that. And uh, the answer is guide the thoughts into safe destination or wholesome thoughts. And what is not a safe destination for your thoughts is to think, oh, am, am I doing the practice right? Or uh, is I can't I can't do what I want it to do or it's not cooperating or it's not working or oh, there's more dukkha, more dukkha. Um, those are all continual uh, dependent originations of mental activity that's creating more dukkha. So there's no problem with them except for spotting them as more dukkha and not the practice. So the practice is to get the thoughts into a wholesome pasture, take deeper breaths, relax the physical tensions that have arisen because of the mental activity, and uh, do this. Uh, do this. It's like a one-two punch. Um, it kind of, um, it slowly but surely, um, you will relax and the um, physical tensions will release. And with the, uh, while maintaining um, full awareness of things, um, am I, is, are my thoughts getting off track? Are they getting into a place that's going to cause me problems? Oh, nope, they're fine. Cool. Now let me go back to just relaxing, um, taking deep breaths. Oh, that one of the cows like went off into, uh, started to uh, get lost. Well, you have to take corrective action there. Well, there's, there's Duca again. There's Mara. There's an unwholesome thought. Guide it back into the right place, and uh, sit back down in the shady tree. Yes, DJ, you have a question. Oh yeah. Um just kind of adding a little bit um again wonderful what you said there scott in terms of um to the sometimes like the doubt that can arise like are you doing the practice sort of correctly or whatever but um i wanted to add to just a wonderful time for congratulations so when you spot the dukkha right that's the thing that can be immediately kind of wholesome it's just like congratulations like that's the whole thing with the aha i see you mara right it's like when you spot the dukkha, that's scoring the like cosmic touchdown, right? So that's baked into it when it arises and you can come right back to wholesome thought instead of like so much like a confusion of like, oh, am I doing the practice right? Is it and all that stuff and just be like, oh, cool. We spotted it. Nice. And then just return to whatever, right? So it can be the breath or or what have you but that doesn't need to the breath doesn't need to be a, another object that we um we need to to cling on to right like we must always watch the breath all the time it's like no whenever you remember come back and congratulate this is wonderful be glad you remember as opposed to um upset that you forgot that's sort of the the it's this it's almost the same process in a way when that hits when the sati hits but we can go in two directions with it so we can either go in the gladness or, or oh, that's a bummer. So anyway, that's just what I felt like adding. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, so the congratulation. Um, so um, creating a wholesome feedback loop is essentially what you're doing with that. Um, yeah, when I spot my own dukkha, I don't get bummed out about it. I actually get happy about it. Ha, there it is. I congratulate myself. I give myself a trophy. <laughs> I give my like I name myself the champion. Okay, um, if you look at people who are happy, like they're the winner in their own mind. So, 
Um, even if there's dukkha, you know, you're a winner because you spotted the dukkha. So you're you're re-engineering your own mind to confirmation bias you as a champion, which feels gratifying. It feels good. And uh, it also makes you a champion because <laughs> you look at everyone else, they're miserable. <laughs> so if you can get yourself into a wholesome state of mind, uh, it, you really are doing it. And um, so you kind of manifest it into existence by changing how you think about it. And um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I have. Uh, yeah, I, I can. I can. Add oh, a wait, wait. Bit. I was gonna yeah. Say one oh, cool. Yeah. No. Remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing to realize with the unwholesome thoughts um, that are causing dukkha, uh, uh, realizing what it's really doing here is that we're harming ourselves. So, I don't know if you guys seen the the picture with like a person riding a bike and they put like a stick into the into the wheel and they fall down and they start crying about it. That's like essentially what we're doing with uh, thinking of ourselves, our own misery, imagining our own dukkha. So it's not, uh, so judging ourselves for that process is not fixing the process, it's actually doing the exact same thing. But seeing it and seeing, ah, I'm harming myself or I'm putting my hand in the fire, I'm holding on to a hot piece of coal, is what allows you to stop doing it. Because until you realize that you are literally harming yourself, you will think that there's a rational justification for it of, no, actually, I need to plan out these mental situations in my mind in order to protect myself. So you think that you are actually keeping yourself safe, and um, if you if you can figure it out and if you can figure out what other people are thinking about you, you can defend yourself and like keep yourself safe. So there's the mental justification for the unwholesome thinking that thinks it's actually do, um, doing itself good. But you have to realize through wisdom that no, this is just harming me. There's only danger and harm in this because of the direct experience of dukkha that I'm having. So dukkha is the culprit, not whatever situation that you're worried about. Really, there's nothing to worry about. Um, the only thing to recognize is that um, we're, there is only this moment and we're either causing ourselves dukkha or we, or we take the correct effort to get out of dukkha and then we develop insight into that whole process and become champions of it. Um, yeah, yes, Marcel, you have a question? <laughs> yeah, what, what you just said about um, that there is nothing that's worth worrying about or whatever. What if I don't believe it? Like, you know, Sati is kicking in and I'm thinking, not like, oh, nice, it's an opportunity to take a deep breath and relax and kick Duca out. It's more like, oh, another moment where I am, where I remember how shitty situation X, X is or whatever. Um, when the circumstances, like, like it has to do with attitude, I, I believe. It's like, if the circumstances are okay-ish around me, my attitude is pretty easy. Like, it's pretty easy to get into the lion's attitude. But if not, my mind, like, it's so convincing that the situation is worse to feel shitty about that I can't kick it out. I, I can't change it. I, I Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so convinced by yeah, it. So yeah, like th so, that's that's the exact attitude that um, we're practicing to change. So it's because you have the mentality that you can't do it. It's why you can't do it. So the, the point is not to worry about doing it in the future, but to do it right now, because that's the only time you're going to do it. So right now you realize, no, it's telling myself I can't do it. That's bullshit. Why not? I can do it right now. So let me 
throw out let me see that as dukkha let me see that i can't do this attitude as what actually is the culprit for creating my suffering here let me let me finish real quick oh, here sorry, now. i just misclicked <laughs> okay you're good what what is causing is the culprit for the dukkha here and now the see the cool thing about dukkha is there is no dukkha in the future <laughs> because the future hasn't come there's only the dukkha right now so if you can solve the dukkha right now you solve dukkha and if you worry about solving dukkha in the future that's that's just creating dukkha for yourself right now so that's what i really mean by there's nothing to worry about um so creating a future problem is the exact thing that creates dukkha irrespective of the situation even when you're in a situation that you react with dukkha to that situation it's because you're projecting future problem um amidst the situation so you're in a social situation the only reason why you worry about something is because you think something's going to happen to you not because of what's happening in the moment what's happening in, in the moment is never the problem um in fact you you find that if you only deal with what's happening in the moment and you take things one step at a time or one by one as they occur you'll find that you can ha you can literally handle anything and you'll become sure of it that you can handle anything and you 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 become beyond a shadow of doubt you can handle anything if you take things literally one moment at a time literally one breath at a time whatever situation it is okay let me see if i can just get through this next breath okay let me take one more breath i can handle that okay i did one breath let me do the next breath all the only job i have right now that dukkha has arisen and i cause myself worry is to take literally one breath and you can always do that you can there's not so you you can realize that oh wait actually that problem isn't actually there unless i project into the future that it is but it's a training okay i'm not i'm saying that it's literally a training to take things one step at a time because of the habitual tendency to do otherwise and what you've been training yourself constantly to do otherwise so this training um, happens uh, as soon as we spot the larger mechanism uh, that creates the dukkha so that would be the second noble truth so i mean most of us are here we've realized dukkha already we know that it's dukkha and we're here um, seeking the end to dukkha otherwise we wouldn't be in a buddhist sangha right we wouldn't be here so realizing um sometimes how we're creating our own dukkha is good but then you have to realize that it's always created somehow and then even though times where you think it's justified that i need this dukkha as a safe as a safety response well no that's just more dukkha and you see that you create it yourself or that i can't do this or that a situation is overwhelming i can't handle this <coughs> or the fear of a future situation so that's the thing is you say marcel that uh, you can become a lion on your own but certain situations not well to, to me that would be proof that um, becoming a lion on your own hasn't fully completed it itself because once you become a lion on your own completely you realize that there's no other place to be a lion and it's always there um so if you are a lion on the inside there is literally nothing that can happen on the outside that can affect that so if you do it to its full so uh, congratulate for the, the times you have been a lion congratulate yourself on that progress or that fruit but uh at the same time realize that 
it's always a right now practice. It's always, am I aligned right now or not? And if I can do it right now, there's no other time to do it really. So I can always do it. So that I can do this attitude um, is part of being aligned, whether you are alone or not. Uh, does that make sense? Oh, Eric, you had a question. I didn't want to. Uh, no, I just wanted to add that, like uh, Marcelo, I think one of his keywords was um, when you're convinced of something that doesn't let you like um, be contempt. And like on the other side of the um, like of the um, of the map, you can uh, see that ha or ask yourself, how is it that I became convinced of this thing that is now affecting me? And the in, in our culture, in our scientific culture, we value uh, experiments, experience, and logic, uh, the, the Ben Shapiro way, science and logic. But we also have to take into account, as you were saying, Scott, that really the most important thing for the brain is repetition. So like um, first, like one experiment you can do is um, seeing like you're feeling bad about this thing, but then this other thing happened and I felt a little better. And then this other thing happened and, and I was comparing it to my previous. Oh, I can't state it really. What I want to say is that we're always um, valuing things in comparison to another things that we're thinking about. So one practical experiment we can do is seeing how many times our value or mood about something can change within a short uh, span of time and see that it's not a solid thing at all uh, from the experiment side and from the logical side like uh, truly value what what's in the suttas because that's hard logic there <laughs> right so um yeah another uh, important point eric brought up marcel is the repetition so you be you were a lion before in the past uh if you did it once, that's you gotta repeat it. So um, you have to rinse and repeat the practice. So you heard the Dhamma one time and you got it. You need you need the continual washing over and the continual exposure to it and the continual repetition of it. So um, the fact that you were a lion in the past means well, I can do that again. I can get back there again. I've done it before. I can do it again. And uh, uh, the practice is to repeat doing that same exact thing here and now. Um, does that uh, does that clarify things, Marcel? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I believe, as you said, like the, the, those habits, because um, how to say it? Like, yeah, as circumstances get worse, I, let's say like the habit is to get into this crybaby attitude, like really liking this victim and self-pity shit. It's like I notice like I'm feeling some kind of comfort in it. Right. And therefore it's really hard to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, that's what I quote. Yeah, like. yeah. So in, <laughs> until you see the, the real danger in it, you're going to keep doing it. So you think it's like a cathartic release. Oh, poor me. It feels good to be a victim. Um, until you really see that that's causing your there, there's more costs than there are benefits to that. So you see the danger in it. You're going to keep doing it until you realize that it's harming you. So that's the point I was making about realizing that we're doing it to ourselves and that it's dangerous to do that. So that motivates you to stop doing it. Um, it's the same with anger. Anger is exactly the same. So you get angry at someone, you get angry at a situation. You think, oh, this anger makes me feel big, bad, and powerful. Um, this, it kind of feels good a little bit to be really angry, right? So you don't see the danger in it, so you're going to keep doing it. But then you realize that the, behind all that anger is just a bunch of dukkha and fear, and the anger is perpetuating it and, and adding more dukkha to the situation and tensing yourself up even more um then you'll start to take the right effort to correct that um anger 
in the angry thoughts or the unwholesome thoughts uh ill will right it's one of the hindrances if your mind is obsessed by fear or anger then there is no unification of mind there is no right samadhi or there's no jhana um so it's just it's completely um an obstruction to the practice of the dhamma and the realization of nibbana um so spotting these things and relentlessly spotting them and rinse and repeat <coughs> will give you <coughs> more more insight and more development into the things that are actually dukkha that you thought were not dukkha or were helping you or were helping alleviate the situation like oh the pity party um th this is my <clears throat> way to cope with it so all these dukkha responses and all these hindrances are essentially a form of coping mechanism to dukkha instead of uh facing the dukkha head-on like a lion and realizing its true origin and realizing its true cessation um which would be first jhana um in terms of getting yourself out of the hindrances <clears throat> and and then once you are in first jhana that's realizing the cessation of dukkha um you realize the way or the path to the cessation of dukkha so when you're in first jhana you realize this is the state of mind this is the meditation this is the clarity that leads to the cessation of suffering so you continue on in first jhana and whenever you get out of first jhana you practice again oh cool i got in first jhana for a good while good good on congratulate yourself now let's see how fast i can get back in it and you do this to all the process of the mind all of the hindrances irrespective of the situation um and you do this relentlessly uh you'll be able to be in jhana for most of the time and for longer periods of time and uh you'll um you'll really it'll start making changes actual physical changes to the habitual tendencies of the mind and how the body feels um on a moment to moment basis like if you continue with this practice uh you literally change the chemistry of your own body really to feel more wholesome and uh more positive uh uh responses and less dukkha um uh and it makes a change like for your whole life pretty much but um it it it, it it's only practice through rec rep repetition um and no matter how great of a jhanas you get into or even if you do experience nibbana all of that is impermanent and the practice remains the same um that you did from the beginning so that's the beauty of it is that it's literally the same practice all throughout it's the same dukkha and it's the same cessation of dukkha and it's the same origin and way leading to the end of it from the beginning all the way to the full fruition um yeah so um there's a line from the suttas in the Pali canon um direct quote the buddha saying it's good the dhamma he teaches the Dhamma that is good in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. So it is, um, so there's kind of a joyful, um, there's a joyful revelation and there's a joyful um, victory, really. There's a victorious joy that comes along with the Dhamma because it's, <laughs> it's victorious in the very beginning all the way to right to the end um 
it's making clear what was hidden. So it's shining a light on what was misunderstood in in your direct experience in in your experience of reality as it is. So what's actually happening here in the cognized, just the cognized, in the sensed, just the sensed, in the herd, only the herd. So it's shining a light on the truth of reality as it actually is of what is going on in my mind and what states are arising. And uh, developing the unremitting sati of remembering to look, remembering to stop, remember to, ho, ho, wait on a second, wait a minute. What's going on here? Let me stop, take a look at what's happening. All this dukkha is arising. Let me pump the brakes a little. So, nothing's that important. Let me stop here. Look at what's going on. One breath at a time. And uh, continue to do that. And you'll become addicted to it just like you become addicted to anything else. Um, because of how actually rewarding it is. Um, and then, uh, at a certain point you enter the stream, so that would be set upon there you enter the stream where it's kind of, now you're really in the river of it and it's really is unremitting, but the only way you get there is to unremittingly practice and to, um, repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, it's been great. <clears throat> I have to leave now. But uh, thanks, right. Scott. Good. Thanks, Good everybody. Having you, man. Good to see, see you all later. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, that was the end of my little spiel. If anyone has any uh, thing to comment or add or ask about, it was a wonderful little spiel. Thank you. Enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So to conclude it, no dukkha is justified. Right. Or realize that um, dukkha is just dukkha, and all dukkha has a fundamental origin that comes from ignorance. So all dukkha arises because of ignorance. Um, because I wasn't aware when it was coming up right not being aware of what is going on yes okay um not being aware of what happened or what's happening um so essentially it's the opposite of the eightfold noble path so it comes all dukkha it comes from ignorance which is a wrong view wrong intention wrong etc so the wrong intentions are example the unwholesome thoughts or like an intention of ill will for example so in like an intention of someone else's harm that comes up in your own mind is the direct cause of the dukkha that you're experiencing um, as a byproduct of that intention but an intention of non-ill will or an intention of compassion, or any of the Brahma Viharas of loving kindness, of um, any wholesome thought that is safe and pure and good, you realize that there is no dukkha with that intention. That intention is completely wholesome, so there's no danger in it. So let me apply and sustain that um, to steady my mind. And once my mind is unified and clarified, I can drop the intentions of to even do that and i can just um, sustain the awareness on the unification of mind and the singleness of the wholesome feeling themselves of just being in a wholesome state and i can just rest in the wholesome and 
that is not dull. It is not, um, it's not a deep samadhi. It's a light clarity where uh, you remain fully aware, but at the same time, you pierce the veil and you start to see reality as it actually is. And you see the nature of sensate phenomena as they arise and vanish moment to moment. And then if you actually do realize all sensations are just impermanent and arise right where they are um, to no one and no one is responsible and it's all impersonal and uh, there's no real location. There's no time and space. That's just more sensations. Um, uh, and they're dependently arisen on the causes and conditions, which is just other sensations. Um, then, then you get to dispassion and disenchantment of the lion that knows it's really does know there is no dukkha to worry about and it, it, there's no problem worth uh, caring about. That's dispassion or disenchantment. But um, think it, uh, I think there's some talk earlier in the Sangha about practicing dispassion or disenchantment. Um, you don't practice dispassion or disenchantment from the start. It's not a practice. It's an aspect that comes on. Oh, out of it later on down the road that comes from uh, real insights or clarity into the nature of uh, the five aggregates or the six sense spaces or whatever. Um, and it and it arises as a byproduct of all that joy and all that and all that success of the cessation of dukkha. Um, By comparison. So, what? By comparison, what do you it's mean? Dispassion by comparison. It's not that I'm dispassionate because of itself. It's because I've experienced so much joy that everything else is unsatisfactory. Yes, exactly. So it's so you you see you're you're uninterested because you see that it's not none of the things, all of the impermanent things, what all of your relationships, all of the sensual pleasures, anything in life will never satisfy you so you stop caring about it and you have now you're just sitting here happy and joyful with literally nothing so that's dispassion dispassion is not being in a cynical state of mind uh, which some people think is dispassion <laughs> in the in the chats so being cynical is not dispassion that's just dukkha um so yeah that that's a good uh, thing to clarify in regards to that. Um, yeah. Well, if anyone has anything else to say. No, just one last thing. Um, and to get there is like putting whatever effort it takes, right? Because I was trying it in, let's say, the last 10 seconds, and there was like, but you can't do it because of work, because you have a headache, because I don't know, only two hours until you have to sleep and do this tomorrow and this. this. So that's <clears throat> all the shit. That's all dukkha. And the effort is to catch it and whatever effort it takes. Yeah. So um, not whatever effort it takes, but more the least amount of effort to get the job done. And uh, the thing is, so it's not a lot of effort, but it may be repetitive effort. So, oh, oh, um, oh, I, that's dukkha. There it is again. Let me relax and not worry about that. And then it arises because of the habit. It's not that you need to increase the effort, right? So now, oh, no, it didn't work the first time. So I knew you push harder, do it more better. No, it's the same response. Um, you just need to keep repeating it uh, until you, until the the dukkha gives up or the mind gives up because it realizes it's not going to work, it's not going to hold its footing, and so so it's it's more of a relentless effort, unremitting effort than it is a big effort. The effort isn't really that much. It's just the least amount of effort to get the job done, but you keep doing it until 
you find yourself what it it's not coming back anymore and it really is just one wholesome thought after another um and then congratulations you're in first jhana and then now the job is to stay on it and real now it's a matter of time before the next unwholesome thought is going to pop up and poop you out of it but then um the game is to realize catch that one yeah that that sneaks in it like sneaks in through the back and disguises itself um and then takes you out of it Um, oh I think that's a fun little thing to add, like to view it like a, a game, like spotting them when they arise and all that stuff, rather than being like a boohoo, this is terrible or whatever. When those kinds of thoughts arise, you go, oh, nice. I caught that one. We caught that one. Excellent. And you can just come back and, and enjoy, right? So it's not, yeah, you were, like you were saying, Scott, it's like unremitting. It's not like a super hardcore effort. You know, in a way, when you see it for what it is, it's kind of a light effort because you're lightening up. It's an effort to lighten up, to gladden the mind. Yeah. And it's a lot easier when you recognize it and understand it. It's easier than not doing it because not doing it and being a hindrance is very heavy. Whereas uh-huh. this is like light and and yeah. glad. Yeah. yeah. So to co- continually lighten up. So if you lighten up and then you tense right back up again immediately. Well, that's the practice is to lighten up again, but it's not like a bigger effort that goes into it. You just do it again. Never mind. Start again. Even if it was a few milliseconds. Yeah, it's. (laughs) Yeah, but, um, you know, the it starts with one water drop uh, until it becomes an ocean. So but the practice is ever only one drop at a time. Um, you just keep dripping it <laughs> until before you know it, it there's a flood. <laughs> um, all right, well, yeah, not, not that helps. Thanks, because I, I think I, I was putting in too much effort when I, in right. the sense of like, I don't like this go away effort. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Struggling with it. Right. Yes. All right. Well, unless there's any more questions, I think that's a good note to end it on. Um, it was good seeing all you guys. Uh, Veda, do you have any closing comments? No? Okay. Wonderful to see your face, smiling face as always. Katal, do you have anything? Oh, I couldn't hear you. Okay, um, I'll, I'll just take that as a goodbye. Um, but it was good to see you as always. Um, um, Eric, do you have any closing remarks? All right, man. Peace out, DJ. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for showing up and Scott for hosting and congratulations. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> All righty. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, everyone.